Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Kim, Kim, in, but again, if you want to call in, 347-215-7598, and if you want to tweet us, I already see a few of them lined up, at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. Once again, this is the next round with Steve Kim and Gabriel Montoya. We'll be on for at least 90 minutes going on all the way to two hours, and yes, we can hear you now, Gabe. We have a full show in front of us. And, Gabe, I know you must be enthralled. Uh, like the rest of the country, the Philadelphia Eagles salvaged your Super Bowl. How about that, oh, America that was, team? <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful thing. I mean, I kind of just watched it on Twitter. You know, I was, uh, I was doing a show, and, and uh, then I was in transit. But uh, I have to say that was actually kind of uh, almost entertaining as watching a real game. Uh, I love the fumble. I love the, uh, the no catch by Brady, how sweet it is. Uh, and Foles, ex-Ram, pulling it out, catching that touchdown at the end of the half and then uh, bringing him back to the end. Uh, is it the best Super Bowl you've ever seen? It's one of the most dramatic. There, there's no doubt about it. And the thing that I liked was it was an offensive shootout. I love offensive football. I love teams going up and down the field. I like great execution. And then the story that's so mysterious of what happened to Malcolm Butler, uh, I think will be talked about for days. But, but Gabe, the highlight of yeah. the weekend, as we get right into it, took place from the Bolshoi Ice Dome in Russia. We have a new IBF and WBA Cruiserweight titleist. His name is Murat Iron Gassiev, pounding out a brutal 12th-round knockout over the game. Junior Dortikos Gassiev is now 25-0, and 19 stoppages. Dortico suffers his first loss at 22-1. and So May 11th for the World Boxing Super Series, Cruiserweight final, one of the best fights of the year. Alexander Usyk takes on Murak Gassiev. But Gabe, uh, once again, uh, as I wrote today in my article for UCN Live, the World Boxing Super Series was FedEx. It delivered. Oh, there was no it was, uh You know, I, I think you compared it to Tony Zirov. It, it was that kind of long-distance, brutal fight. 
uh, where, you know, one guy, I, I thought Gassiev, you know, he really surprised me coming out, moving just enough, uh, kind of on the back foot a little bit and, and, and backing off and letting Dortico's, uh kind of wear himself out. And, and, and by seeing Dortico's take the lead that, like this, you could see there was the, the flaws in his game. Yes, he's heavy-handed. He has the straighter punches. He uses his jab more. But uh, the offense isn't very uh, varied, uh, and he didn't dig to the body. He didn't get down there, I don't think, nearly enough to make Gatsiev pay for, for backing up and not being aggressive early. And, and it caught up to him later. He started to tire because he was leading and because he was eating shots from Gatsiev, who really mixed up his punches very well in this fight. Uh, I was real. I mean, I, I think you know when it's this close uh, of, a, of a fight and, and this hotly contested, an ending like that is absolutely fitting. You, you need uh, some clarity like that and just brutal stuff from Gatsiev. What, what a way to finish! I I don't agree at all that he was gassed at the end. Uh, I think he was poised and, and ready to break out the whole fight, and then he did. Gabe, when you fight that hard and that long for 33, 34, 35 plus minutes, guess what? You're not going to have the same engine as you did in rounds one, two, three, and four. And uh, it was interesting. Early on, it was actually very eye-opening to see Murad Gassiev, who's kind of like a bulldozer. Bulldozers aren't known for using their reverse gear. Actually, back up, fight off his back foot. And there's no doubt, this was a tortoise versus a hare that Abel Sanchez and Murad put together a game plan where they said, you know what, early on, Dortico's is a looser limb puncher, probably a little quicker off the trigger and off the draw. And we don't want to get hit by one of those long, looping right hands. Let's be careful. Let's soak up some of his punishment. And also, let this guy run his gas tank low a little bit. And I thought from the fifth round on, there was a subtle change that became more apparent as Gassiev started to control the center of the ring. And the one thing that I do appreciate about Gassiev is just, again, a, a very steady reliance on fundamentals. Gabe, he doesn't have great head movement like a Wilfredo Benitez, or the ability to slip, roll, and counter, like let's say a James Tony at 200 pounds. But Gabe, there's something to be said about just being disciplined with your hands and getting him into defensive position properly time and time again. Because I think Dortico's was actually surprised by the fact that Garcia defensively, I thought, for the type of fight that it was, was actually very sound defensively. Yeah, I wouldn't even say he's good at moving his head, but it's you know his his feet uh, are I think underrated, and, and like you said, he's able to get behind that guard to kind of you know pull up the drawbridge to his castle over and over again. I, I love the way he wings shots around Dortico's guard. It really surprised him, and, and you're just looking at the two men. You could see that one guy was basically an anvil, you know, and the other guy is a little more kind of long and lean. Uh, and he, it's just his body didn't really hold up uh, for that kind of beating and that kind of pressure over the over the long haul. Dortico's legs, you know, when he got hurt, you know, he he was game as all hell. But he just to me, he just looked a little bit fragile uh, between the two of the, between the two of them. Uh, but that said, I mean, what heart? I mean, just the fact that he was fighting through, and maybe that was ultimately his his problem. Should have held on, but what an unbelievable finish that fight had. Gabe, I have to tell you, Dortico's, he's built for tough. I've seen what Gossiev has done to guys like Jordan Schimmel and then Willorczyk mm-hmm. with basically one shot. Gossiev is an absolute wrecking ball, and for him to take the type of punishment that he did, and he didn't really start to bend and then break till about the eighth, ninth round, I don't think there's a lot of fighters, period, that could have even lasted 
to the 12th round the way Dortico's did and still had an element of danger attached to them. And I'll say this. I know a lot of people are saying Dortico should be fighting um, Maris Bredis as the semifinal, the third-place fight on May 11th. Mm. Gabe, I don't think there's any doubt Dortico's is concussed. He was battered. He may never be the same again. He is 30-plus years of age. I would not allow him to even spar in the gym, much less fight for at least six months. I think it's the type of fight that shortens a career, specifically the ending of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> managers, you know, they're also bloodthirsty ghouls. Uh, no, don't don't go right in with, uh, with, with Bredis. Uh, it's one of the things that's interesting about this tournament is uh, the fights are really kind of breeding, you know, uh, rematches. Like, we, there's fights that I really want to see again. Uh, and, and, you know, like Usyk Bredis, is one that I would see again. Um, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Down the road, man. Let yeah, the guy, uh, when you get knocked out and then like three times and then knocked out of the ring after a brutal 12 round fight, take a year off, let your brain heal. And Gabe, the greatest compliment I could pay to all these combatants in this tournament overall, I want to see the guys who lost Maris Bredis, Junior Dorticos. It's like the heavyweights mm-hmm. in the 70s. As they mixed and matched and they had their unofficial round robin for about seven, eight years, it almost didn't matter the results of the previous fights. You had great matchups. And, and this thing has absolutely lived up to expectations. And moving forward, May 11th, this is going to be very interesting. For Gossiev, he still got marked up. He's going to get hit. There was a physical toll on him. I want to talk to Abel Sanchez, I think, tomorrow morning. Uh, I want to see what the game plan is, A, in terms of how fast do they get back to the summit and start working in Big Bear in participation, or excuse me, in anticipation of Oleksandr Usyk. And also, Gabe, this past weekend we saw Gossiev be patient, fight off the back foot. It says here May 11th from round one, he better roll downhill very quickly because it's a completely different, more difficult style. Oh, yeah. He can't lay back. Usyk will pick him apart. I mean, I think he's going to have to back Usyk up and corral him and get to that body early and, and start to put some damage down. Uh, you know, he's got to put some money in the bank uh, with the body shot because Usyk will, you know, use those wheels. He's only getting better. Uh, he's got a nice jab, good straight shots, good power. Uh, you know, I, I think Gossiev's still more of the power puncher in this thing, uh, but you know, he can be turned and he can be outboxed and walked into shots. Uh, that fight could have slipped away from him, you know, uh, just as easily as he was able to capture it. So, yeah, it's an uphill battle. For both guys, I think it's a tough fight. But I, I feel like Usyk has uh, a few more tools. But, you know, as Gassiev showed, like, you, you just absolutely can't count the guy out, particularly if you think the other guy might be the more skillful boxer. He just proved yeah. that he's got another dimension. Obviously, we'll have a few months to talk about this, but one real quick point. Usyk does have one fatal flaw in my view. Once in a while, he'll do the turtle shell defense, use the earmuffs with his gloves up very high, and square up, and then also be right on the ropes. That right there, Gassiev should take that as the cue to let your hands go. Usyk's been allowed to get away with that. Previous opponents, I don't think anyone has the firepower or the physical strength of a Gassiev. I think Usyk... He better get his road work done because he has to be perpetual motion uh, against Gossiev. And, Gabe, as you mentioned before yesterday, uh, I did tweet out that, hey, I don't think anything will ever be what I saw in the summer of 1986 at the Omni when Evander Holyfield, and I think his 12th pro fight, battled the Camden buzzsaw. 
Dwight Muhammad Kawi in one of the greatest fights ever, and I certainly think the greatest cruiserweight fight that'll ever be. Fifteen rounds, and Evander Holyfield lost like 20 pounds worth of weight on that particular fight. Halfway through, he actually said, I think I'm going to die here, and it launched an, a legendary Hall of Fame career. So, yeah, that's a tough standard. But I do think that in terms of the cruiserweight pantheon, Jeroff Tony, which was the 2003 fight of the year, I do think Gossi of Dorticos, it has to be at least in the Mount Rushmore of all-time great cruiserweight fights, does it not? Oh, there's, there's no question. I mean, it just uh, – it was fought at such a high level, uh, at, at such a tough pace. Dorticos came out and just took, you know, took charge, and I think he was trying for a mid-round stoppage, you know. Uh, wanted to just uh, burn out Gassiev, and Gassiev had something uh, new uh, to show everybody that he could move, be judicious, judicious with his punching, um, and 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 you know risk a little bit getting to a power puncher's body. Uh, we found out that he could take some shots as well as give them, uh, and then get somebody out of there and then deliver their first loss. You know, at a high level, it's one thing to do it at the prospect level uh, and to beat guys that you're supposed to, but this this kind of back and forth, you don't see this. Uh, very often at the at the top level between two guys that can knock you out. Uh, it was just beautiful, beautiful stuff. I watched it twice. Yeah, so did I. And, and Gabe, I know we're only five weeks in and we're all guilty of jumping the gun and being prisoner of the moment, but I think this is the first real legitimate fight of the year candidate, and if something exceeds mm-hmm. it, or if a couple of fights outlap this, we're going to have a hell of a 2018. Uh, I know a couple of fights that won't be in the fight of the year discussion, Gabe. The stuff that we saw on ESPN, and, and listen, this went as scripted. Uh, from Corpus Christi, Texas, from the Bank of America Center, WBO super middleweight titleist Gilberto Zordo Ramirez subdues the Bigfoot of Ghana, Habib Ahmed, in six. Then I'd be a super flyweight champion, Jerwin Ankaha stops the game, Israel Gonzalez in ten. Gabe, I don't know what to really say. I mean, I asked our buddy JP, what are the odds on the Ramirez-Ahmed fight? And he basically said it's 100 to 1. And Gabe, what we saw was a 100 to 1 fight. Yeah. Uh, that was not a, a good opponent for him. And I know everybody was trying to sell it uh, once they got their eyes on the guy. Uh, but it was like, well, you know, this, this is as good as, as not being able to see him. There really wasn't much to look at. Um, oversized, uh, didn't really have the power. And really, after that fifth round, the fight was over. I, I don't know what anybody was thinking uh, after that round, why, why he was, why was going to fight uh, further. Um, I think in my nightmares, if I'm doing poorly in a boxing match, uh, Lawrence Cole is probably the ref. Uh, you know, <laughs> Gabe. It, it was, this weekend felt like ESPN on versus, didn't it? Yeah, Gabe, I have to tell you, there was only two things tougher and more courageous than Habib Ahmed. One was his corner, and two was Lawrence Cole. And in the immortal words of the <laughs> great Larry Merchant, everyone involved there should be pistol-whipped. I, I felt bad oh, for the guy. I mean, it really was like a mercy killing at the end. And listen, I like Zerto Ramirez. I think he's a tough matchup at that size and range. He works hard. He's developing a more front-foot, fan-friendly, crowd-pleasing style. But then you could argue, Steve, anyone can look like Tony Gwynn hitting off a batting tee, and I won't argue that. But here's the issue, looking down the road. As you look at the other super middleweights, I understand there's a vacuum of opponents. In a couple of weeks, Eubank fights Groves, and then Callum Smith fights Brommer in the World Boxing Super Series Tournament at 168. So who knows if you could ever make those fights. I think it'll depend largely 
on who was the promoter of the winner and their relationship with top rank. Then the other notable 168-pounders like Andre Durrell, James DeGale, Caleb Truax will have a rematch, David Benavidez, and even Jose Uskotagi. Gabe, once again, we're going to be talking about the politics and the alliances and the allegiances. They're on the other side of the street for Zerto. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't really look good for him. It's you just look through everybody and and uh, what you know. Caleb Plant isn't he on the other side of the street? Um, you know, I mean, there's not there's not a lot for him in that division. It, it's it's never been the most exciting division in the world. I mean, maybe he can move up, but you know, he looked great against this guy who no one had ever heard of. And you know, I think it was really on the ref to to you could see the guy turning his back. He even caught a rabbit punch that Lawrence Cole didn't say anything about because he was turning his back and like running off to the side, uh, the corner, you know, I didn't know anything about the guy going in after the corner knew more about him than I did. Uh, so maybe they're thinking, you know, this guy's won a few fights by knockout and, and maybe, you know, he's got something or they're hoping he'll show something that they, they they'd seen before. So they gave him another round and then they ended it. But Lawrence Cole shouldn't be done to anybody anymore. That guy is just, it's been too long that we've known he's not a good ref. I don't understand it. I'd be really scared to fight in Texas. Gabe, it's one thing to be a beneficiary of nepotism, because we know about his father, who for years was the don of the Texas Commission. Okay, you know what? That's right. life. It happens in a lot of different avenues of life, a lot of different industries. But most people are willing to be okay with nepotism if you're competent. I mean, I, I don't want to just gratuitously pile on Lawrence Cole, but I'm watching this going, Lawrence, pull the plug. Pull the plug, yeah. and there's simply too much evidence that he's not a competent referee. There's just too much evidence where you see bloody gloves and footprints and knives and all this other stuff, and you're like, wow, you are really culpable. There's, it's almost indefensible when you see stuff like this. Gabe, Jervonan Cajas, I know people are going to kill me for it, but there are things that he does kind of like Manny Pacquiao. There are certain combinations, and I say, you know what? There will never be another Manny Pacquiao. That's a once in a lifetime. But out of all the Filipino southpaws that we've seen in this era from Marvin Sansana, Mercedo Hesta, or whoever, uh, I like Ancajas. But the other issue is, Gabe, you know all those other good super flyweights? They're on another network. Uh-oh. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how to say this to you, see, but you know, not all Asian people look alike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little offended. Really? Uh, Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, in the face, he kind of looks like uh, the oh, Filipino flyweight uh, Pancho Villa uh, to me. I kind of pulled up photos of both of them. Like he looks more like him than Manny Pacquiao to me. Uh, in terms of the style. It was kind of crazy on, on the on the broadcast. I was like, man, they don't talk about Manny Pacquiao this much during Manny Pacquiao's fight. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he sells out with the left hand a lot. Got the one-two. Um, I don't think he's as explosive and, and doesn't no. use his feet quite the way Manny did. I think that's what really made Manny different. Was he was like a whirling dervish in there in his prime, move around uh, constantly, looking for a new spot and bounce in and out. Uh, but the way this guy really believes in his left hand reminds me absolutely of Pacquiao. But uh, I, I think, you know, he's going to have, yeah, also have some, some issues getting some fights. Uh, but I like what I see. He's, he's you know, a, a fun guy to watch. I, I just want to see this whole card was just developmental 
to me. It was a, a better v- version of Friday Night Fights, although it did have Mark Kreigel, who is uh, starting to annoy me almost as much as Teddy Atlas used to. Mm, uh, Gabe, the interesting thing is with Manny Pacquiao, as we look back, what made him special is that relatively early in his U.S. run, which began with Lelo Ledwaba in summer of 2001, is that eventually he got Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, and then Marquez. In other words, he had great dance partners where you yeah. really saw what he was made of. Well, right now, for the time being, I don't think they have any plans of mixing it up with the winner of Sikraset Sorunglesai, Juan Francisco Estrada, or anyone else at 115. So, I, I, listen, my understanding is, is that the mandatory defense that they have to make, Jonah Sultan, now that's a real fight. But the interesting sidelight is that's a Filipino fighter, and I've been told by men like Gary Gittleson, who handled Brian Valori and still does, there is almost a taboo of Filipino champions taking on other Filipino boxers. It's not like the, the Mexicans will fight each other 15 times. This will be the first time, Gabe, believe it or not, in 95 years, according to Ryan Songalia, one of the leading reporters from that country, that there will be an all-Filipino championship battle, which I find fascinating uh, given yeah, their history yeah. in the sport of boxing. And I'll never forget one time, Gabe, I said to Gary Gittleson when Brian Valoria was a champion, this was about six, seven years ago, and I said, Gary, that fight right there against such and such, it would be a great fight. And he said, Steve, it's a non-starter. And I said, why? He goes, Steve, politically and socially, I can't even bring that fight up. And he explained to me that as a champion, you're not expected to take on other Filipinos. So, and I guess that, end, I guess that ended up being very true because there's a lot of stories talking about this very issue. Uh, if you huh. want to call in, 347-215-7598. And if you want to send us a tweet, you could do so at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. And, of course, we start off with the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. And he says, in light of its success, how do you feel the World Boxing Super Series could improve on its opening efforts next time? Also, what could top rank on ESPN learn, if anything, from what the World Boxing Super Series has done, seems like that brand is not what it could be yet. Well, Gabe, I think it's very simple for the World Boxing Super Series. If they want to get on American television, the tournament and the fighters themselves, I think, have to be American-centric. I, I think that's one key component people aren't talking about enough. An American network is not going to do a tournament unless there is a strong American presence. Agreed. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know you got to sell tickets. You're and you you know you don't want to be traveling over you know overseas if you're Showtime or HBO. You want to be doing the fights here. I mean that was what the Super Six uh, you know Super Middleweight tournament was all about. So yeah, it, it's I, I don't know. You know I'm not a businessman, so I, I can't tell them what to what to do differently. Uh, I, I know what component I would subtract, and then maybe they'd get a TV deal. A certain uh, guy yeah. with the initials R.S. Gabe, is that what you're hinting at? I get the feeling. I, apparently, he's only a consultant, according to that one, the article that you sent to me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so maybe they'll move on and somebody else will get a, T, a U.S. deal. Um, but I think, like, you're absolutely right. It, it kind of surprised me when a Showtime exec said that, but it made total sense. When I asked about the Super Six, and he said the goal of it was to get an American star, not a 
you know, uh, an international guy, you know, maybe we could take that step later, but it was to build somebody now. So uh, do you think they'll do other weight classes? Is that even possible? I think they have to, but again, they struck lightning in a bottle at cruiserweight because none of the major players was truly attached long-term to a network. uh, And they weren't with certain entities, whether it's Al Heyman or Bob Arum, who generally don't participate in tournaments. But we have to give the World Boxing Super Series credit this past weekend. There are streams on Facebook and YouTube. I had them both punched up. Uh, as I said, they flowed like the Mississippi, crystal clear. I thought it was a very good production. And, Gabe, overall, the in-arena experience with the staging and the lighting, very classy. I mean, it has a distinctive look. I think it absolutely works. Oh, there's no question. I, I you know, had my... Uh... Uh, computer with me at uh, at the theater and, and yeah it, it worked like a charm it looked great uh, other people were watching because the fight was very good uh, you know it, it's uh, it's a top quality product there's, there's no question about it uh, I just also, think you know people that were blaming HBO this weekend and kind of it, it's like you got to look at what it is you know what why is this deal not happening in the U.S. don't blame people look at the relationships and that'll tell you everything and Gabe, the World Boxing Super Series has been producing their own shoulder programming. I tweeted one out earlier, which is basically their version of 24-7 for the semifinal fights. And even the quarterfinal fights, they did this. It's like 25 minutes, and they show you the lead-up, fight highlights, and the aftermath. And it's called pre-fight or post-fight, depending on which one it is. High-class, well-produced stuff. I, I watched it earlier this afternoon. And you know what? If you saw it on a network, you'd say, yeah, it's good. So they've certainly done their part, and and I believe as they get to the second edition of the World Boxing Super Series, they've built momentum. And now the question is, how do they break into the U.S. market? Here's one from Tommy Boxeo. Hey, Steve, could Deontay Wilder realistically knock out a young prime Mike Tyson like he said he would? You know, Gabe, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but the Mike Tyson that I saw from 1986 to about 1990, I would highly doubt it. I, you know, anything's possible with a guy that lost to a 42-to-1 underdog and never really beat anybody in their prime, you know? Uh, no, he Tyson didn't. beat a lot of guys he was supposed to, but uh, when it came time to actually beat a guy that he was supposed to, he fell all apart, and... This game is mental, so I, I've never been a fantasy matchup guy because there's so many factors. So I became less of one after working as a reporter because it's like, well, how was the guy's training camp? You know, how many fights has he had in a row? Has he had a long layoff? Like, you know, give me all those other factors when you give me the two fighters, and maybe I could give you a better idea. But, you know, Tyson wasn't traditionally great against super tall guys, was he? No, you Tony know, Tucker took him the distance. Bully. James Quick Tillis took him the distance. Um James Bone Clutcher Smith grabbed his way to a 12-15 round decision. Yeah, listen, <laughs> there would be some issues that Wilder presented to Mike. It'd be his reach, his length, and the guy can crack. Question from A. Flores, Jose Benavides Jr. confronting Bud Crawford. Is it Mikey Garcia type of shtick, or is he serious? I think he's serious about getting a big payday, but I, I don't even understand this. Jose Benavides had not fought since July of 2016, or let's face it, I'm not so sure he even beat Chia Santana. And and if Top Rank right now made Benavides against Crawford, we would howl in disgust. 
I'm sorry. Benavides has no case to face Crawford in the near future. None. No, get some more, you know, uh, get back on TV. Get some consistency going. I, I just think he's hit the ceiling, too. I mean, he lives on the ropes, and he's not very good on the ropes. Uh, that's kind of the, the end-all and be-all of it. I think Crawford's clowning. Uh, but, you know, I'd watch his feet bite. Yeah, he's tall, he's got some length, but skill, technique, boxing acumen, all that is heavily weighted in the favor of Omaha's favorite son. Here's one from Robert Montano outside of Mike Alvarado. Is there any legit fighters being mentioned for Pac-Man April 14th? I can't believe that's the best they got. Or is this strictly to set up Pac-Man versus Bud in the fall? Gabe, my understanding, it's Alvarado. It's a fait accompli. But you know what? Here's my question. If Bud Crawford defeats Horn as expected, are we absolutely guaranteed it'll be Manny Pacquiao agreeing to face Terrence Crawford? Because what indication have they given in the last year and a half that they're actually going to do that fight? Zero indication. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't see it. I don't want to see Pacquiao versus Alvarado. I have no interest in that fight whatsoever. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not going to get all angry about it, but you know, if they throw it on ESPN, cool, I'll watch it. But uh, uh, they better not throw that shit on pay-per-view if they know it's best. Uh, okay. Uh, Gabe, I got I mean, bad news for you. It? Oh, <laughs> well, no. I, you know, look, I'm trying to start the campaign for Lucas Matisse. Is Matisse faded? Is he past his prime? Did he not look so good against T.Y. Kiron for long stretches? Absolutely. But I ask you this question, Joe Pollock. Would you rather see him in there against Manny Pacquiao than Mike Alvarado? Of course you would. I'm, I'm sorry, Alvarado, he had his chance to fight Manny Pacquiao about three, four years ago when he upset Brandon Rios in their rematch. And then he went on a bender and he couldn't be found, and his career went down the toilet. And the reason why Alvarado is getting this fight is very simple. It's an in-house fight for top rank. Here's one from Jason T., my man from Canada. Guys, now that we're only three short months away from crowning the best cruiserweight in the world, how do you think the GOAT cruisers like Prime Holyfield and James Tony would fare against this current crop? Uh, very well. They were great fighters, Gabe. We, they wouldn't blow them out, but uh, they, 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 these are really legitimately great fighters. Yeah, there they would be problems. God, how good would Holyfield Gassiev be? Oh, that's just a just a meat grinder of a fight. And you know, Dortico's the guy that, that can crack at distance. You know, Holyfield uh, would take some coming in in order to get inside. Uh, it's just a brutal fight. But you know, again, it's it's you know, uh, it's not mental masturbation. I don't want to be rude, but I just don't get into the fantasy stuff. Yeah, Gabe, one last note here before we hit the phone line. Showtime has announced Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker. Heavyweight unification will be televised on their airwaves March 31st, live on Showtime. Gabe, it's a hell of a lineup put together by that network in 2018. And there's no question. And and Espinosa is, you know, uh, he's either a world-class troll or also a world-class businessman and, and troll. Uh, How come he can't be both, Floyd. Gabe? <laughs> he can be both. He actually seems to be quite good at both. Uh, uh, he's sitting there with Floyd, you know, teasing the MMA stuff. Uh, there's no question. They're they're beating, beating HBO up. But I, I, I want to know what HBO thinks success is anymore. 
you know, when it comes to boxing? What is it that they really, what's their goal? What are they, what are they, what is their vision? Uh, and, it sure seems like, I, you know, Showtime's is very clear. And Danny Fiano is reporting that Danny Jacobs on April 28th will be taking on some relatively unknown Polish fighter. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to do matchroom fights, which are mismatch room fights, you better be getting Anthony Joshua, if not now, in the near future. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, because there has to be a method to the madness. I get it. Sometimes you have to give concessions to get the big prize. But it's almost like saying, yeah, we'll take the Cleveland Cavaliers, but you don't get LeBron James. Uh, again, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but that Danny Jacobs fight, Against the Polish fighter, I, I asked Ryan Scalia, and when I don't see anybody, till I do my research, I'll defer to him, and he says, it's not Viva-licious. He does not give that wow. fight a Viva. So keep that in mind. 347-215-7598. We're here for at least another hour and go all the way up to 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's the next round on the Leave It in the Ring radio network. Gabe? It's uh, the no more football hangover day is what it is. Five three zero is the Pro Bowl, right? Five three zero. You're live on the next round. Well, hello, Gabe, Steve, Robbie. What's Boy, up, man? Uh, what a weekend of fights! And uh, that ESPN card reminded me of the old Friday night fight days. Um, geez, um, look, um, uh, when this deal was announced. I thought we were going to get top-notch fights, you know, uh, because ESPN was going to put some serious money in Top Rank's pocket. Therefore, you know, we were going to get, you know, top-notch things. And, you know, last year did well. But this is not a very good beginning to 2018. Uh, And both of the champions, I realize it's not their fault because of who they're affiliated with. But they won their fights, but they've got to get better opponents. But as you pointed out, I don't know how either one of them in this case does that because of them being affiliated with Top Rank and everybody else being affiliated with who they are. Robbie, as you look at the Top Rank schedule, I didn't like this card. I'm very, very lukewarm on February 16th with Ray Beltron. The next two cards are good, the ones in March with Valdez Quig and Amir Amam against Jose Ramirez, but – Listen, this is going to come down to fights. Bottom line, look, ESPN and their packaging and their overall cross-promotional abilities is significant, which is great for the sport. But when it's all said and done, it is about the fights. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I am, I'm very disappointed that we don't have the uh, World Boxing Super Series on United States TV. But, again, you made good points with that. Um, hopefully, you know, in May – uh, some network will take a look at this and go, uh, you know what, we're missing out on something here. Um, I mean, uh, boxing yeah, fans have Bob. to go to uh, Facebook and and YouTube and all that to to get to get the best fights of the weekend. Uh, you know, that's that's bad for business, in my opinion. Let me let me ask you, Robert. Did you how did you so you watched it on Facebook or YouTube? Uh, um, did yeah. you like hook it up to your TV? Like, you know, through the USB, uh, you know, uh, cable? like Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if you're going to watch a fight, that's the only way to do it. You know, like, because I like to have my fights, Gabe, on TV, you know, on the TV. So I, I don't you. have to, like, hold my phone or 
sit in front of a computer. I, I want to be able to sit down in front of my TV and enjoy what I'm watching. Yeah, I, I just I say that because I'm I'm something of a cord cutter, and I usually do that if I'm watching it, you know, from the computer, or, you know, right. or through a Facebook or whatever. Uh, but I've heard a lot of people say, like, I wish it was on US TV, and I'm wondering, is it out of convenience being able to find it and watch it, or is it because it's better for the sport that something this good uh, is? In this case, Gabe, to be honest with you, in my case, it would be both, you know. But okay. uh, lo- looking at it overall, I think it would be better for the sport. Can you imagine if these fights were, say, available on a platform like ESPN and uh, and how many casuals, you know, would, would stumble into this? And, and we, we might create new fans for the sport. Uh, and talking about networks, uh, it looks like HBO is taking a thorough beating, and it's just a question of when is the referee going to come in and, and stop it and, and put HBO out of the boxing business because they're taking a hell of a beating from Showtime. And I know all of us here, we don't like what's going on with Premier Boxing Champions, but we've got to be honest. We may not like what uh, Premier Boxing Champions is doing, but right now they happen to be affiliated with the top network in boxing, they have taken over, and HBO and maybe ESPN for some, uh, for in some cases, might need to sit back and take a look at what Showtime is actually doing. It is what it is. The schedules speak for themselves. Um, we we I've talked about it a lot. In fact, ad nauseum here in 2018. Robbie, as always, thank you for the call. Three thank four you guys. seven. Two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? You know, it's interesting though, is when we talk about you know HBO's taking a pounding from Showtime, but then you look at their earnings and everything, and, and like their the ratings. first quarter, of, yeah, <laughs> and, and their ratings. And, I mean, we have to be honest. Uh, HBO is still playing to a bigger audience for some reason. Yeah, I mean HBO. You know, not to get all economists on it, but uh, in the first quarter uh, of this year. They did seven point, or uh, rather, of, of 2017, I should say. They did 7.7 billion in revenue, uh, which was up from the year before, 7.3 billion. So they're not actually hurting. We may not have to have a bake sale for HBO after all. Uh, they just have different priorities when it comes to to, to boxing. Five eight five, you're live on the next round. Hey guys, it's Jake from Rochester. Jake, what's up? What's up, Jake? Hey, what's up? Um, Regarding the uh, Gassiev Dordicos fight, um, you know, Steve was talking about, um, and, and I've heard other people talk about this, and it's a legitimate comparison where, you know, Gassiev was playing a little bit rope a dope early in the fight, and, and he was, but I mean, I don't, and I don't mean to get like all boxer, boxer hipster here, but um, this fight reminded me a lot of. Marciano Wolcott won, where huh. in the pre interesting in the pre fight the the the, uh, the pre fight uh, Jersey Joe Wolcott was you know disparaging uh, Marciano's skills, saying you know he's amateurish, uh, he's going to basically walk right through him, etc. And in the beginning of the fight, that's exactly how he fought Marciano. He fought him like he had no respect for him at all. Uh, he was just coming forward without really any regard for. Marciano punching back at him, and then slowly as the fight turned on, or, or as the fight went on, he had no choice but to start backing up 
because the power of Marciano forced him to. And then later in the round, in the later rounds, Marciano was the one stalking him at times. And I mean, just like this fight yesterday. So, you know, that's, that's what I thought of, or I mean, on Saturday, that's what I thought of when uh, I watched that fight. I thought it was impressive, Gabe, is that Gossian, we all know can punch, that he hits through people. But to actually say, you know what, let's lay back. Let's, let's be okay with losing rounds. Lose the early battles to win the war. He showed extra dimensions that I guarantee you a lot of fans did not think he possessed. Yeah, I was – because you had said I think one of the keys to victory was, like, you know, which guy is going to be opposing his will and, and, and coming downhill. And within the first few rounds, I was like, man, Yasiev might be in trouble here. He's just he's taking shots. His face is getting red. He's backing off. And I don't, you know, I've not interacted with him enough and watched him spar enough to know what he's like between rounds. Is, is he is he not feeling good about things? I know Abel was kind of going to the whip on him, uh, you know, asking for more pressure. But really, it was just a, a carefully crafted plan. And you know, th- this this goes to show you that that uh, Abel Sanchez, you know, whenever there's a top guy, I used to say about Freddie Roach too. Oh, he's overrated, and you know, Triple G came to him, but he was already the fighter he was. And blah blah blah. This shows that you know a good game plan is the difference. A great trainer could be the difference uh, at this level of the sport. I thought they they both did a masterful job. It was very yeah. clear the stages that they wanted to go through in the fight. And Jake, Gabe, I, I thought the way Gassiev's uppercut from the front side set up his left mm-hmm. hook, and then his left hook set up the stuff right up the middle with the uppercut. That was masterful, and I and I know this from being at the summit more than once and, and watching the way they train. You don't do that with fancy mitt work. You don't do it with pool noodles. You do that by practicing over and over again that one or two simple fundamental punch over and over again, stepping with it properly, pivoting, being on balance, and being able to bring a punch either back up the middle or through the side. That's repetition. That is real coaching and making it physical memory or muscle memory, mm. and I thought that was – and i got to tell you, I, again, I am just incredibly impressed by the durability of Dorticos that night. Yeah, his ability to skip um, back up for two more knockdowns is, uh, <laughs> was legendary. <laughs> Jesus, God. That first knockout – or knockdown, we, I was, you know, we were in the dressing room, and the whole room just went, oh, my God. You know, that, he, that guy's dead, and then he got up. I couldn't believe it. Jake, did you watch the ESPN show, and what were your thoughts? Um, it was, uh, but two mismatches, basically. I, I really didn't, uh, I didn't really expect much from either guy that they were fighting. I know in Cajas, uh, you know, I've heard, uh, I've read in the past that he's not going to be, you know, jumping into the deep end of the pool, the 115 pound division anytime soon. So I didn't expect out of anything out of the, out of the opponent he was fighting. And, and I've obviously never seen nor anyone else has seen the, the Ahmed guy that Ramirez was fighting. I, I more watched the card for the, uh, you know, to watch uh, uh, Kaminsky's uh, pro debut, uh, to watch Tifimo Lopez. Um, that, that's basically why I was uh, watching. Yeah. This is one of those nights you kind of get through it and you move forward. Jake, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the call. We'll talk to you next week. Three, you four, seven. Seen, uh, Two one five seven five nine eight. Yes, Gabe. Well, you know when you have a, a 
a deal like this between HBO and Top Rank. You know, every show can't be the Super Bowl. No, the uh, truth. They're going to have to mix in some some developmental shows. I, I wasn't offended by what I saw. There was, uh, and I didn't think that you know people didn't go typically overboard. But it was, we've been versed. Uh, you know, we we saw, went through the versus thing. It, it, it gives you, you know, alarm bells. Uh, but I think you know th- there's going to be quality shows. Uh, the Ray Beltron one, he's always gives an honest effort. So uh, it, you know, it won't be the greatest fight in the world, but it, you know, it could be some action there. Um, what do you think of Teofimo Lopez? Listen, I've been as high on Teofimo as any scribe. I, I'm very high on him. I believe he's one of the best five prospects in the sport of boxing. But he's falling in love with this slickness. And he's got to understand one thing. You're facing guys that you're supposed to, and you're going to look good against. But I do think overconfidence might be – something that has to be addressed because, I, you know, with that style, you have to be incredibly disciplined in terms of getting your hands back in proper defensive position and all actually mm-hmm. tucking in the chin. And, you know, he got extended, which is, I think is actually a good thing. Now, in his defense, the guy that he fought actually went the distance with Romero Duno, who's a hard-hitting Filipino prospect that's with Golden Boy. I like Tiafimo Lopez, and I think the best thing he has for him is the matchmakers at top rank. They know how to guide a prospect, I think, better than anyone else in boxing. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would agree with that. And, and uh, he's going to need to up that conditioning if he wants that style to really work for him. You know, and uh, the, you know, like you said, the rounds are going to be great for him. It, it shows him where this style can take him, uh, how much he can rely on it. Uh, I'm not as big a believer as, as other folks are, but well, you know, we'll see. I, I see a little Jeff Lacey in him, but uh, whoa, we'll that that's not that's not a compliment. That's more of an indictment. Yeah, just a little bit. Five zero nine, you're live on the next round. Five zero nine. Hello, guys. Yes. Hello. Hello. Talk to us. It's Miguel in Washington. I have a quick question for you guys. Uh, I was on Instagram earlier and I saw the thing that uh, Mayweather and Dana are looking in the. Uh, in the T-Mobile Center on uh, May 5th. Any truth to that? <laughs> oh, God. Now, May 5th, doesn't that happen to be the day of Canelo Golovkin? Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, they're starting this crap again. This, this is, this, like, I like, like I say, this is more predictable than an episode of Three's Company. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm wondering. It's getting pretty stupid, you know? Well, let me, let me just put it this way. If Dana and Floyd end up taking Las Vegas on May 5th and it sends the rematch to New York or Texas, you know what? I'll thank those two. I'll thank Dana and Floyd. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> New York would be awesome. But, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. All right, well, thank guys. All right, thank you thank very you. much. And if someone has that Instagram post, uh, tweet it to me. I have not heard about it. Believe it or not, Gabe, this is going to stun you. Uh, I don't follow Dana White or Floyd on social media. <laughs> I'm stunning, right? The one in shock. Yeah, I, 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 I've had you wrong, Steve. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know who I am. Nine zero nine. It's probably just Azima talking. Nine zero nine. You're live. Flowing like the Nile hey yesterday. Yeah, How are you guys doing? Good. What's going on? Talk to us. <laughs> hey, I have a kind of curious thing. I actually went to a fight with Matisse and Linares. But I don't know if you guys ever experienced that. Being in a fight and then watching on TV, it's sometimes a whole different fight. 
like yeah. like the Linares so fight. What changed for you when you rewatched it? Well, especially the Linares fight, I thought it was a lot more competitive. It looked like the uh, the other guy was landing more, kind of putting on the pressure. But when I saw it on TV, it was like Linares the whole way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I thought Kieran was boxing effectively in spots, but he wasn't nearly as aggressive as your prototypical classic tie fighter, and that, that was the most disappointing part to me. But in both viewings, and I only watched a few rounds of the HBO broadcast when I got back, I'm a big Lucas Matisse advocate. He's one of my favorite fighters of this past generation, but he's not the same guy that he was in 2010 to 2013. Yeah. So you thought you thought uh, Hesta did better live than you did on TV? Yeah, and I was I wasn't even drinking or anything. I thought it was just looking at it. It looked like he was applying <laughs> what pressure. What a shame that is! Jeez. <laughs> but uh, it looked like it looked like he was more on him and landing more. But when when you see the broadcast, you see that Linares was slipping. He was landing. The guy wasn't even touching him that much. It was kind of almost one sided. Yeah, it was. It was a 10-2, 9-3 type of fight. I thought has to put up a good, honest effort. But again, class showed. Listen, I thought the crowd was much better than I expected. That's the great thing about low expectations. They're very easy to exceed. Were you entertained? Were you generally satisfied with that night? Yeah, I was. The, The whole card was great. Okay. Now, will you be there for Superfly? In a couple of weeks. Uh, I will be there, yes. That's yeah. going to be a hell of a night. I heard that thing is selling very, very well uh, from Mr. KO Tickets, Jim Boone. It's going to be a very, very electric atmosphere. All right, well, that was pretty much it. I want to see your perspective on that because I also went to a long time ago. It was um, Sean Porter against Kell Brook, and that was another fight where it just looked like uh, Sean Porter was doing a lot more damage. And I came home and watched it on TV and Kell Brook was just on him the whole time. It's just kind of weird. Every time I go, I, I see two fights. You know, it's weird. Uh, there was a fight like that. I mean, a lot of fights are like that. But uh, Paul Williams, Sergio Martinez, too, I saw live. I had great seats. Uh, it was like third row. And, and But from my vantage point, Paul Williams was landing like his right hook like crazy, and he looked like he was doing more damage. And then... I mean, it was, you know, a pretty aggressive fight, but then that, that second round knockout, I was more worried about Sergio Martinez in the long haul than oh. I was about Paul Williams. And then I watched it again live. And I, it was like I was on the other side of it, and you could see everything that Martinez was landing, and it looked better. It, it, it was kind of strange. Gabe, on that particular rematch, I hated when the Paul Williams fans said, oh, he landed the lucky punch. I said, no, he didn't. He landed, uh, he landed the exact same punches Sergio Martinez did that he did for 12 rounds. I thought the first round was a continuation of their first 12. That if you go back yeah. to round number one of Williams-Martinez, Martinez was landing very heavy shots early on again, and I said Martinez has his number. Or either Paul Williams simply made no defensive adjustments. Anyway, 347-215-7598. Here's a tweet from Carlos Rousseau. He says about Gossiev Dorticos. True championship fight contested in proper championship fashion and punctuated in a convincing and incontrovertible championship result. Well said. And also, he says, props to Eddie Claudio, the referee, for allowing the fight to play out to a career-defining and concussive conclusion and letting the fans leave fulfilled 
for once. Viva, mm. Gabe, back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while, and it was that was actually somebody who said as he went through the ropes, "That's over, that's it," <laughs> you know. And and uh, when people that don't normally watch boxing kind of know, you know, yeah, it was uh, it was it, we got our money's worth on that one. Uh, nine seven eight, Jimmy's corner, a little early in the show. You're live on the What's next round. Going round. on, buddy? Oh, oh, so oh Jimmy Corner, everyone, pull up a stool. Hey, what's going what's on? Up, hey, man? first off, um, gotta say, man, God bless that kid who just called when he said, when he said Porter Brook. I, it was a long time ago. I'm sitting there saying to myself, I'm thinking, of, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about because you brought up earlier, Steve, the um, Braxton. Oh, there, I'm still calling him Braxton. Oh, Kawi Holyfield one. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking fight, Steve. Huh? What a fight oh. that was. Jesus Christ. And I liked, I'm there about Braxton again, Muhammad Kawi, because he learned to fight in prison. He did five yes, he years did. In, in raw way, dude. The original spot for the original scared straight. I don't know if you guys remember that. I was real young. It was like 1978. And they were swearing first time on television. The guy goes over to these kids and he's like, see my eye. He had no eye. And he's like, Point. he goes, that was taken out with a fucking spoon. And it was like, these guys with the, hey, with the caps on. And, hey, and this is back when they were doing steroids in prison. These guys were fucking monsters. And that's what he did, a five-year stretch. And, they, and he, I started training with that guy, James Scott. Who, remember, he fought in prison for the title or something. It's back in, like, the late 70s. He fought on NBC. Yeah, well, still in prison. He fought five oh, times. Oh, James Scott. Yeah, league. Larry Merchant yeah. covered those fights. Yeah, yep, in Rawway, and uh, that's where uh, Braxton got into it. And then when he got out, of course, he went over to Frazier. That's why he kind of fought in that Frazier style. I think that's why I always liked him, you know what I mean, because he trained out there in, you know, in Philly there. But, uh, yeah, what a great fight. Um, and I got to say, I'm sitting everybody talking about how great that stream was. Well, I had it on TV, got it up on the TV. I was pretty proud of myself. Really? And, you know, off Facebook, oh, yeah, right. Hey, halfway through the 11th round, all of a sudden that circle stopped. Beep, error. And it was just doing that spinning, the buffering, wait for it to load. Oh, really? Because yeah. I did not oh, yeah. have an issue all the way it, through. It was, it was just me. We had heavy rain. I got direct TV. So it was just, it was that end of it. So it was just me. Was no, I even, I had a nice, even, uh, I had to pause it because it was uh, curtain time at about like the sixth or seventh round. So I could watch it, you know, the rest till like intermission. Uh, and uh, it would work fine for me on my phone at least. So, you know, oh, I, I think I, in five years, great. this is maybe two years. This is the way we're always going to watch stuff for the most part. Oh, yeah. It was you know, just, like, it was just, I had a, I'm sorry. No, I'm just. It, oh, I'm it, sorry. I was talking it, to my it's daughter. kind of. It's just a weird taste of it, you know. Uh, I, right, I talked yeah. to a few people who watch it on their phones or their tablet or you know wherever. Did you get to finish the? When did you? When did it start working for you? It, well, it, <laughs> right after the fight. So I just went oh, right to YouTube and I watched it. I put, but I, I put YouTube since it was right. I just put YouTube right on the same TV. It just somebody had posted up, but I had to watch it in Russian. But they had it up within minutes, so I was able to finish it. Huh. And uh, no, I gotta say though, it come down to this. And do you remember this is this when I first saw Gassiev, he was training with Triple G. Remember, like three years ago, four years ago, he was training with Triple G. He was the one who said that they were at the end of a run. And uh, Gassiev said, oh, never trained like this before. And uh, he's pointing Triple G, goes, this kid's a machine. And that's when Triple G said, nah, machines break. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. But, yeah, yeah, it was when Gassiev wanted to run. He was talking about how he never trained like this. But that's – I was thinking I was watching a fight. I've, I've yet to see uh, Abel Sanchez fight and not in good shape. 
And that's what that fight was going to come down to, who wanted it more, who put the work in. Because you know what I mean? When you got two guys, Crack and Dortiz, man, man, what, that kid's got hot to, for days. And it was a weird situation, too, with that stoppage. Like, his corner, I can almost see his corner, like, saying, oh, I want to throw it. But when you're that close to the end of the 12th round, you know what I mean? Like, having the towel thrown in to finishing is a big difference. So, what did you think? Did you guys think they could have stopped it after the second yeah, knockdown? Yeah, I would have waved it because just my gut feel, and I looked at the scorecard a little bit closer than that I had it. But the first knockdown, I thought absolutely sealed the fight. The second knockdown was the insurance policy. I would have waved it off. But again, Eddie Claudio, he sees things and he has a better feel for it generally than guys like us. Yeah, he's also dealing with uh, you know an undefeated guy that's got serious knockout power, like exactly, maybe with somebody else, exactly. and who'd been doing pretty well. And it wasn't like he wasn't able to land big shots during exchanges. So, you know, like even when it was happening, I, I was feeling bad for Dorticos, and I also picked him. But uh, you know, you, 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 I was holding on for a John David Jackson, Harry Castro moment, or a little reversal action. Because uh, it I, does happen. I, just, I mean, we got that in show oh, absolutely. Last well, I mean, how many times? That's the old adage. The da- a fighter is most dangerous when he's at his hurt. You know what I mean? Because uh, the other guy gets excited yeah. and runs in to try to, you know what I mean, get and gets caught, clipped. I just think, don't you see? It looked like a lot of his snap went off his punches by the eighth round. They didn't have the same crack to him. You know what I mean? The sweat wasn't popping off his head. And uh, the goat, like you said, though, Gabe, you talked about going around the, the um, guard. That was impressive, the way he kept sneaking it in. And he just, he fought it. It was a, well, it was a good game plan. A hell of a lot better than Belichick's. But I don't want to call it Wow. But he, listen, to, honestly, and I'm a patriot, obviously, you live in Boston, but like I tell anybody, you got nobody got the right, we can't complain, shut your fucking mouth, how many parades do you have to go to? You know what I mean? Plus, it makes for better radio <laughs> for water, but, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, no, so, I, I, I really, really, um, but the problem is, though, by that second knockout, you, uh, you guys know as well as anybody, it's every punch you take after that. That's you know what I mean. Takes a yeah. little off you. Takes just a little bit off you. Just never the same. After once you're in that, you know what I mean. And again, that's that kid's heart getting up off the ground. It's the fighter in him. But every shot you take from that point on, it's like, is this gonna be the one that you know what I mean? It just it's rough to watch at that point. I, I you know you don't ever want to see anybody get hurt that bad. But um, also the top um, rank, I. I Gilbert, until, listen, I'm old. I just dealt with some issues that almost took me out. So I'm even more into the whole, I'm about my time. And until these fighters, if you're going to, like, fight fucking, until you fight. So I understand he, it's hard for him to find somebody to fight. But I remember last week, I think I said something about HBO screwed up by Bob going ESPN. But at the same token, Bob kind of pigeonholed himself, too, by going to the another you know, network. So... It's a sucky situation, but I'm not, I mean, until these guys, I'm just not going to watch fights unless, you know, they're fighting somebody. Because I, I, I've seen enough showcase fights in my life. You know? That whole Kelp- deal yep. is going to depend on is top rank going to be able to make deals and send guys to other networks, periodically at least, for the good of their clients, for the good of their careers, and for the good of the fans. You know, I, I right. get it. Not every fight is going to be a four-star special. I get that. But there has to be a certain level. Now, again, I like what they're doing March 10th and March 17th. Uh, I knew this past weekend was going to be a bit of a struggle. Right. 
No, absolutely. Uh, now, what's his relationship with Espinosa, Bob's? Is that any good? <laughs> I, I'll or? say this. He still has a good relationship with Les Moonves, the head of CBS. Okay. <laughs> so let's put it that way. <laughs> right. All right. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, it's, you guys got a bunch of people on behind me. But uh, as always, great show. I look forward to it. Um, you guys have a great evening. Be safe, okay? All right, Jimmy. Thank you very Thanks. much. All right, man. Uh, Gabe, here's a tweet from my man Peter from Chicago who covers uh, the fight game. Does it matter that this jag, uh, in talking about Danny Jacobs' future opponent, dominated and knocked out Centennial Jr., who fights Charlo for a title on Showtime? It's not a bad point, but here's the thing. Is that an indictment on Centennial? I mean... I just, again, yeah. I, I don't, you know, Danny Jacobs against a guy that most general fans do not know who it is, and he's not a bad fighter. I do remember that fight. I'm kind of like, I mean, this is premium cable, is it not, Gabe? I, well, and I thought, I mean, is it just a placeholder? You know, that you're waiting for the winner of, uh, you know, don't get me beat. I'm, I'm waiting for the winner of Canelo and, and Triple G, which is not a guarantee. You know, if it's Canelo which I think it's going to be, then, you know, do you do another fight? Maybe. It depends on how good the fight is. Uh, or, you know, do you look around at some other fight? Canelo's not going to fight Danny Jacobs unless he Yeah, and by the to. way, speaking of which, and I'm going to call around, what's going on with Demetrius Andre? I don't know. He fought in October. Yeah, so it, uh, I mean, yeah. fights are being set now for March and April. Where's Boo Boo again? Same old story, same old song with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, well, you know, in, in HBO, it's like, well, you you you're, you say you're investing in the, in the middleweight division. You sign these guys. Where are the fights? And it's it's the, the thing that we talked about that uh, there's a Jay Larkin that would say, you know, invest in, in fights, not fighters. You know, it's you can't lock yourself down. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's it's early yet in the year. Three four uh, seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, let's get back to the calls. Three one three, you're live on the next round. Hey, what's up? What's going on, gentlemen? Good. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I'm thinking. Of, I watched the Garcia fight, and I saw it completely different. I would have been, well, not completely different, but I would have been fine with Dorticos and his people stopping that fight earlier. He took a lot of punishment. Took a lot of punishment. And, it just wasn't looking good for him. Around round nine, I saw that he really didn't have much left. He was landing some punches, but they had nothing on him. Man. Yeah, but you know what? Realistically, there was no way any corner would have stopped that fight. Just with the stakes involved and the fact he was still relatively close on the scorecard, you had that feeling. I don't see how that anyone would have waved it off at that particular time. Yeah, I mean, I guess, man. I mean, you know, I'm I'm one more for fighter safety a bit, and uh, that 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 uppercut was landing every time. Oh, got to a point, and that was crushing. It was, it was getting bad, and you know, I mean, I hope he's. I mean, because he's been in a war with Kalinga too. Yeah, so I remember that. Maybe, that. maybe he's just this type of fighter that's just gonna be all action, but that that's good for us, but that's not good for him. Now, so, how much of a shot do you give Gassiev against Usyk? Uh, 
about 55, 45 Usyk to me. Oh, okay. That's, that's I'll take that. I'll take that type of fight. Yeah, I mean, I just hope. Um, I mean, it's weird. You I mean I'm kind of rooting for Saudi Arabia because this is in Russia. I don't really trust anything that's going on. <laughs> if from Russia, no. Come on. Yeah. So, but uh, I saw. I mean, it's getting interesting up there. I mean, I'm, I mean, as far as heavyweight, because I saw something about Joyce maybe fighting Chizor. That's going in the deep end pretty quick. I mean, mm. he's not. He's not a really. You know, he's an older fighter, but doesn't mean. You know, Chizora's still a guy that can give a prospect a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in watching that fight if they actually make it. So, it's it's uh it's definitely looking good at the higher weights now with the uh with this tournament and what's 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 uh Breedy's prospects? Is he going up the heavyweight? If you know, I haven't heard anything. Um. It's funny how everyone thinks everyone's just going to move up after this tournament. I don't know about you guys. I'd like to see these guys make more fights with, within each other. Wouldn't yeah, you? I'd like like, see, I, yeah, I'd like to see Gowaki. Gowaki Breedis would be great. Yeah. yeah got well, how, about, out of how about Breedis against Dorticos down the line when it's appropriate? You know, yeah. I, just, I don't think there should be a rush to whoever wins this tournament. Hey, welcome to heavyweight. That, I mean, again... We are now talking about much bigger physical specimens at heavyweight in 2018. Yeah, well, that's another thing about Usyk. I kind of favor him. I mean, I know he got issues with uh, amateur pedigree and things of that nature, but he fought a super heavyweight most of the time, so he should be used to be, you know, taking big shots. I mean, Magidoff, Magidoff, he never turned pro, but he knocked out Dichko about five years ago, one of the biggest shots you're going to see. Hmm. And it was no, it was no headgear either. So that's that. I mean, not having headgear has probably helped these guys. And Gabe, your guy. Now I've heard this was on the British feed. They've actually said the amount of head issues and concussions have gone down since they went away from headgear. Really? Huh. They've gone down. The cuts, the cuts have been the problem, but the headgear right. has actually been something that has hurt the guys. It seems like considering this, you know, the head. It's going down significantly. Hmm. It's a whole sense of security, you know. You think you have something that is protecting your head, but really it's protecting you from cuts. That's yeah, really right. Because right. your brain's yeah. going to rattle regardless. It is. That, and that's the real key. And um, I've always said hundreds of rounds of sparring is probably more dangerous than the real fight, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as far as uh, Spence, I mean, you know, really, I, I don't know. I mean, you you look at it, he probably won't have a big fight until next year, which is a shame to say because of the business of the game. Are you completely off the Keith Thurman bandwagon if you're even on it to begin with? Uh, I'm, he's done to me. He's done. <laughs> okay. he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight. I mean, when you don't want to fight Jesse Vargas because that's too tough for you, you might not want to fight anymore. Who is he going to fight, Birdo next? Mm. Yeah. Huh. And Birdo get a seven-figure payday like normal. Oh, my God. If it's Birdo Thurman, that is a, a big buzzkill. That, that's, that's another fight that needs a hot tub time machine. Oh, my God. How horrible <laughs> would that be? Jeez, <laughs> 
crime against humanity. It's not a guarantee he stops him, though. It's not a guarantee he stops Birdo. Oh, I think he stops Birdo. I think Birdo's very worn. Yeah. Hey, I mean, hey, hey, Birdo's one of the old school Heyman guys, so if he can get a payday, I could see it. You know what Birdo is? Haitian Chris Ariola. And this will be his Deontay Wilder. Right, but mm. really, with Ramirez, I mean, I didn't watch the eight, I didn't watch the ESPN card because I'm not really a big fan of Ramirez. I, I think they just try to fatten him up for maybe a payday, maybe with Canelo down the line. But he just, he, it's just something he's missing. He, he, you know, he does. He's technically fine, but to be honest, Hart, if you if you're six six against Jesse Hart and you need the knockdowns to win. You might not be that guy. No, I, I don't disagree. That's why I want to see him with the real guys. Um, you know, let, let's see if he gets some dance partners within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, anything else on your mind? Right. I mean, I was just about to say, that just tells you, though, what limit, he's, he's pretty much maybe a little bit better than Jesse Hart. That's about it. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. All right, well, listen, <laughs> thank you for the call, 347 215 Seven five nine eight. Game real quickly. Going on to the fight preview. Uh, Jesse Hart and Tiafimo Lopez won their undercard bouts in Corpus Christi. Those were televised on ESPN News. In Japan, Daigo Higo, the vicious first round knockout over Moises Fuentes uh, with a body shot and retaining his WBC flyweight title. And then Junior Yunin with a draw against Ronald Ellis. Gabe, going back to Higa, there's a new generation of Japanese fighters coming up, and I got to tell you. They don't play around, and they all attack the body viciously. Dude, uh, that was like he just ran up and stabbed him and then sat back. Like, it was a beautiful body shot. And just the overall just energy of his performance, the aggression that he brings, and just the style, uh, the, the hot pink outfit. Uh, I, just, I like the whole thing, man. It was, it was the early candidate for knockout of the year. It doesn't get much better than that to the body. Yeah, and Gabe, Junior Union. I don't know. I called his last fight where he was absolutely smothered in what I think was his first MMA fight against Mike Guy back in late July in Long Beach. But he's a kid that has some talent, has some physical tools, but it is more sizzle than steak. They need to really work on just basic fundamentals with this kid. Yeah, like when you ask me what I think of him, not much. Uh, yeah. Probably not, probably not very often. Uh no, I, you know, it was an all right fight. You know, it was just kind of it was a draw. It was just kind of, uh, uh, yeah, nobody really stood out to me in it. It was a bit of a chore to watch, particularly after after uh, watching a guy like, you know, uh, Higa. But, uh, no, I, I yeah, like you said, sitting down on his punches, uh, just kind of establishing, establishing a jab. Yeah, establishing you know, a jab. Uh, Hello? You know, that would be, well, think- you know, that would be nice. The most fundamental of fundamentals. Yeah, uh, fight preview Thursday night. Uh, I think this is the last fight of Roy Jones, but he's had about 15 last fights in Pensacola, Florida. Takes on Scott Sigmund. And then Saturday on BN, Miguel Burchelt and Jaime Munguia co-headline. And then I think there's a card that's being televised, I don't know, live, uh, of Nico Hernandez, the 2016 Olympian who has a fan-friendly style game. Jaime Munguia is kind of Margarito-esque. He's not perfect, but he's rugged. I think he's going to make for a lot of fun slugfests in the future. Yeah, no, he's kind of a sledgehammer. You know, he gets in there and he gets inside, digs at you. Uh, he will take some shots in order to give his, but it's, 
no, a fun pressure fighter, fun TV fighter. Uh, and, you know, Bichelt, I think this is his second replacement, right? Uh, yeah. He's facing. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, n- yeah. not that long. Uh, <laughs> if you're on Gabe, deadline, you're going to love this fight. <laughs> it reminds me of what Michael Irvin said about when you have to play with your third-string quarterback, how it restricts your offense. He says, fellas, this is the backup to the backup. <laughs> so, in other <laughs> words, don't expect much. <laughs> yeah, and Roy Jones Jr., you know, uh, once a pay-per-view, uh, you know, uh, star ends his career on UFC Fight Pass, which might be the most interesting thing yeah. about this bout. Uh, how old is he now? 46? Yeah, are, are we sure okay. this is his last fight? You're making an assumption there, Gabe. I, I, I don't know about yeah. that. He said this before. I'm getting old, so I must have forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh. Uh, 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 right around the guard. Uh, 209, you're live on the next round. Oh, 281, actually. Two eight one. Oh, hey, hey guys, Nate. Nate, what's, hey, what's up? up, Nate? Uh, man, how you guys doing? Uh, Nate, can you speak into the phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you hear me? Barely. Did I catch you at an awkward time. Uh, no, is this any better? Actually, it's worse. Uh, okay, it's about to get better. Well, how about now? All right, yes. Nate, talk to us. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, yeah, uh, you know, whenever uh, fights come to Texas, and especially around Houston, I get excited about that, right? And maybe give an opportunity for me to go. You know, even uh, you know, like the Dana Corpus. I mean, eh, you know, I could have gone kind of a long drive, but would have been all right. But man, Texas screws it up all the time. You know, they get on a get on a little run, maybe have a few good fights, and then it's either Lawrence Cole. <laughs> Or Gail Van Hoy, the you know Adelaide Bird of Texas. <laughs> you know it's it's frustrating. I was just the same as you watching that that fight, going, okay, anytime you can stop it now. You know he's got his head in there looking, looking, looking. I was like, well, what are you looking at exactly? Yeah, and <laughs> the biggest thing is that fight was a shutout. It, it, again, you ju- again you have to. There's horses for courses, as they say. And if it's a it's a tight competitive fight, I get it. But that thing had to be what five nothing six zero. You're looking for an excuse to pull the plug at that point. Oh yeah, and when that guy's head started kind of bouncing around, you know, and you know, just his reaction to everything too was kind of like the kind of that oh shit I am in over my head, way over my head kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, full retreat, you know. Uh, when you see a guy like you know duck out and run sideways, you know, across the ring, you know, it's, it's over. What is he hoping to have happen in the next part of the fight? You know, it's already smaller <laughs> exactly. and, and, you know, it was just, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Did, Cole, uh, did, you know? did, yeah. did you, did you think that on Cajas was just kind of, I mean, I was really surprised after, you know, especially that Australia fight Well, and Conlon too, you know, with those vicious withering kind of, debilitating body attack and then he just really never went there and I, I don't know if it was because he knocked him down early and so he was just looking to you know take care of him up there or if he knew he kind of didn't really need to do anything with that guy you know and it was I don't know yeah he, he did forget about the body it, it, it was uh, you know 
in between when they weren't talking about Manny Pacquiao, even the announcers <laughs> noticed it, or Tim Tim Bradley brought it up. Um, you know, I, I think it may have been that he caught him early, but that guy had been caught early in you know a previous fight uh, and come back, and he should have known that about him. Um, you know, it was it was, uh, I, but I think it was a solid fight for him. It was good good rounds. You want to be extended. You don't always want it to be, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just a walk in the park. Yeah, and I, and I and I like that kid, and I don't I don't mind that they're saying, well, I don't want to throw him in right away with all, with the wolves, you know, give him a few fights, but yeah, kind of like yeah, well, different different boxing uh, networks and all that, and I don't know, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully that comes. Now, Nate, out are you going forward. on March 10th to San Antonio for that Mikey Garcia fight that's been rescheduled? I'm really offended by that. Why? <laughs> Wait, that that offends you? Really? Why? Because it's a joke of a fight. Oh, come on. Listen, is it a great fight? No. But is it a joke? Really? Well, and and is is it still in the Alamo Dome? No, no, it's at the Freeman Coliseum. And before you, you crack any jokes, it's been renovated, and I heard it looks very nice. It's been dead serious. Uh, um, you know, maybe if, maybe I don't if think it was it's a joke of a fight. Tell him, Gabe. Jeez. Yeah, Lippinitz <laughs> is not it's something, you know, it's not who you wanted to take to the prom, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's not <laughs> well, bad. There, there you go. Uh, and if it, was in, if it was in Houston, I would drive 30 miles to go watch him. But three hours he's a guy that has power, nah. and he, he believes in it. He's aggressive. He, he you know, uh, is, is not a defensive genius, but he is kind of awkward with his angles. I mean, Anything could happen. Mikey could get caught. Uh, all this indecision well, in Mikey, you know, uh, makes me have a little bit of doubt in him. I think he could be great, uh, but then his choices make me think he's worried about something. So I don't know. Well, but I, I just, you, know, you know, I don't try. I would I kind of agree. I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on Mikey generally, but you know, when you say Lipnitz is a, not a defensive genius, yeah, he's going to get carved up. I, I just, you know. Anyways, we'll see. You know, the talk of, uh, you know, cruiserweights moving up and all that, um, I, I just happened upon a, a replay of um, the Thriller in Manila the other night, and and they were then right after that, I guess it was a Muhammad Ali series thing or something they were doing, and they showed a fight against, early in his career, I think he was 25 in against um, Banks, and, and um Ali weighed 194 and Banks weighed 191. Right. Yeah. They're cruiserweight sized, you know. Yeah. And I think Marciano was even smaller than that, as was Joe Lewis. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, Joe Lewis was like 185. Marciano was 185. They were these giants now. And I think, you know, they're they're more fuel efficient. You get more offensive output. The, The super heavyweights have to really worry about letting it all go. It'll gas out. You know, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you're set up for success with the cruiserweights. They've been you know, long ignored, but it, it's an exciting division. Uh, uh, I, I can't, I, I kind of want to see more rematches before I see anybody move up out of. The I agree. Class. I agree. You know? Yeah. Well, it needs, it know. needs, um, kind of like you were talking before though. It needs, uh, needs some Americans in there so it can attract an American audience and we can actually see it on TV. So yeah, you're I so think. you're really offended by Lipinets Garcia. What? That's, that's <laughs> astounding to me, Nate. Nate, I think Sergey's a solid fighter. 
Do I think he's spectacular or sensational? No. Now, do I think Mikey is playing the boy who cried, I really want a big, tough fight? Yeah, but I don't think it's an <laughs> offensive fight. Jeez. Uh, well, okay. I exaggerated a little bit, but I, I just, <laughs> you know, it's like in Mikey, you know, come on. All that talk, can we see a little more of a significant fight for you? But mm. I don't know. Mikey's been that way for a long time. Right, I mean, even even kind of before he took his hiatus, what did he have? Yeah, he well, have, do you like, know he wants to fight? fight Errol Spence by the end of the year? Did you hear the latest? Oh, I missed mm. that one, man. Thank you. Yeah, that should <laughs> that should offend you, Nate. That should offend you right there, <laughs> right there. That should offend you. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, keep it keep up the good work. Uh, love All right. to you. Okay, and Nate, thank evening. you for the call. Yeah, Litvinenko isn't a bad fighter. Listen, was he a little bit of a disappointment against that Japanese fighter in November? I, I believe he was, but he's also beaten some pretty good young fighters as a prospect. Uh, again, again, I think Mikey's going to win. I don't think it's going to be a 60-second blowout either. No, I, I don't think so. Oh, and uh, Roy Jones will be uh, 49, actually. Mm, oh 49 boy. Wow. years old. Uh, and, and, and this fight... You know, he fought, last fought against Bobby Gunn, uh, February seventeenth, twenty seventeen. Okay. Now he's more active than uh, Danny Garcia uh, this weekend. Four two three, you're live on the next round. Four two three. Hey fellas, it's Matt. Matt, what's, what's going up, Matt? on? Not much. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, to follow up on what your your buddy Nate said, uh, it's it's not a terrible fight, um, but I noticed something about Lipinets. He he reminds me his stance and his style a little bit of a Pauli Malignaggi. The way he keeps his hands low and then ducks down and throws the jab from the hip. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit of a reach, but I think yeah. But he's not is. nearly as feather fisted. Lipinets is a solid sure. puncher. Uh, I think he's much more of an offensive threat in terms of being able to sock you and make you back up than Pauli. I think that that that's the biggest difference between the two. Yeah, and it's an important one for sure. I just think that uh, I think it's going to be a one-two in like round seven or eight, something like that. I am looking okay. forward to it. It's not it's not a terrible fight. Um, we'll see what Mikey has. Uh, so I just called in, so I'm not sure what y'all have uh, gone over, but just a few thoughts on the uh, the cruiserweight uh, fight this weekend. I boy Gassiev, he's a sneaky good boxer. I think he um, I still favor Usyk, but the way two things. Gassiev seems to pick his spots really well. You know, he's not super fast, but then all of a sudden he's he's hitting Dortico's right in the right in the body with that left hook and throwing combinations and uh he seems to have really good timing and he's got a he's got a motor too. He threw a lot of punches. Um so I, I think it's a pretty close fight. I think I think uh he's also clearly got a chin. Um, and I, I think if Usyk doesn't hurt him, then it's going to be, you know, a lot of close rounds and a lot of punches there. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, for Dortico, boy, I hope he gets another good fight. Uh, he kind of won me over. I thought he fought a really brave, uh, maybe not the smartest, but he fought a really brave, combative fight. You know, he was there to win. So I, uh, I hope we see him again in there. He might be, I mean, he might be the third best cruiserweight in the world right now. So I hope he gets another fight. Yeah, the question is, what version of Dorticos exists post Gassiev? That that was that was a rigid, physical, hard fight. 
And I mean, yeah, he was he, still he, crying at the press conference, man. It was really classy, you know. Gassiev got up and and comforted him because he just seemed inconsolable, you know. I, I imagine oh, in I his mind that. it was a close fight, you know, and it was all right there for him. Uh, and and then 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 the last round happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My gosh, I was um. What did y'all think? I mean, I heard a lot of. I was looking at a lot of comment threads and whatnot on Twitter. And people were saying, you know, he was done. Like Dortico's, they should have pulled the plug around eight or nine or something. I was like, I didn't, I didn't quite see that. I mean, I thought he lost Me most, most rounds, but until the end, he was still kind of in it. I mean, I you knew he was not going to win, but not like he was taking a huge beating and was getting blown out. It was at the very end. It was like, oh my gosh, he's he's tough, <laughs> you know. Yeah, when he got hurt, then everything turned. But but yeah, I still felt he was he was kind of in it. He just wasn't, you know, if the judges were scoring hurting blows, he wasn't landing as many hurting blows. He wasn't doing the kind of damage that Gossiev was doing to the body uh, and that uppercut. You know, the judges I think were scoring big on that. You know, but I thought it was yeah. still kind of tight. You know, I wasn't really scoring it; I was just enjoying it. But uh, me, me too. He just had this. Yeah, I. You know. Sorry. Yeah, I. Uh... I do think Gassiev won probably, you know, 10 or 11 rounds. I'm not sure. He he did land the, the much hmm. flusher punches. Matt, I thought maybe, it could have been 3-1 Dortico's or 2-2. But I do think after the fifth, I think Dortico's might have won, I think, the eighth or the ninth, one of those rounds. Uh, yeah. I do think that the fight was a little bit wider than most of those scorecards at the end of 11, the official ones. Okay, I didn't even see the scorecards. I, I mean, yeah, you could be right. Um, you know, it really anyway, didn't matter. Gossip kind of took care of all that, so you know. Yes, he did. That That's the way you do it. Really something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> like, Just yes, that the the punch got that, that got the first knockdown. It came out of it was perfectly set up, and it just was like he just pulled it out of nowhere, and it was over. It was the punch you don't see, and it just landed with all of it, and. It's just beautiful boxing. It's just like long game chess, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he finished up. It was just great to see. Yes, yeah, good fight, good finish. Hey, one other thing, um, I just read on boxing scene uh, something saying that Daniel Jacobs could be fighting Masteji Suleki, who I yeah, I, Polish I fighter that beat Hugo Centeno on NBC or NBC Sports a couple of years ago. I mean, listen, he's not a bad fighter, but the question is, does it move the needle? I think it's going to be a collective groan from the boxing fans when this is announced. And Dan Raphael is saying it's done, and, you know, Dan's a good source, so I'll go with it. Huh, okay. Do you guys like, I mean, I thought O'Sullivan was going to happen, and I actually kind of like that fight. You know what? But I will say this. I think the Polish guy is a better all-around fighter than Spike, who I really like, okay, to be fair. Hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to it. I mean, I'm glad Danny's staying staying busy. You know, I'd I'd rather take this than have him not fight till August or something like that. So, um, similar with Billy Joe Saunders, you know, he wins a big fight, and then a month later he gets Martin Murray. I mean, that's not a great fight, but uh, staying busy and you know, Martin Murray's not a terrible opponent, but you know, he's going to be waiting for Golovkin Canelo, I expect. So it's good that he has something on the agenda, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, listen, if anything else happens, please give us a call next week. All right. Appreciate it. 347-215-7598. Gabe, any, any other calls uh, on the line? I, I, 
I mean, it's just a weird fight. You know, I just I pulled it up on on uh, Bad Left Hook while while during the call, and it, it is strange. I mean, the guy moved down Selecki to 154. He beats Centeno. He's like a fight away from having a number one contender spot. Uh, oh, he is actually Jamal Charlo's uh, or Jamel Charlo's number one contender, uh, and and is behind one guy in the IBF rankings below Jared Hurt. Uh, and now he's going to go back up to 160 to, to lose to Danny Jacobs. I mean, it must have been a lot of money they're offering. Uh, right. Hmm. Eight one six. You're live on the next round. Eight one six. Hello, on, fellas. Hey, what's going what's on? Up? Uh, it's Brandon what's up? Stubbs. What's going on, guys? Brandon, welcome aboard. What's oh, going hey, on, Brandon? Stubbs? How are you? What's on your mind? I mean, Pontificate for us. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> with it being possibly the last Roy Jones Jr. fight, you know, I, I just felt that I need to call in and. And share my thoughts and, you know, the wonder <laughs> if it is. Oh, boy, I have a feeling but you'll I, be making this call in six months from now again. I'll tell you that much. I, I mean, in all seriousness, we 49 might. 49 and no I mean, he's already said that um, if the UFC lets Anderson Silva out of his contract, he still wants to box him. So, I mean, that's that's a possibility. Uh, there's still a chance that he may even uh, go over in Russia and fight again if the money's right. He, he's even said that. So this may be his last domestic fight. This may be his last fight in Florida this weekend. Um, the guy he's fighting, I, I had to look it up just to see who this guy is. So I've never heard of a Scott. Oh, Sidney. he was a Kelly Pavlik tune-up fight about five years ago. And it looks like he's also ran through the uh, the TMT stable. He's got uh, Javion Love, uh uh, Ronald Garval, uh, uh, Leon Bellows is also on his record. He lost all of them. Uh, so it looks like he got that, you know, got that Mayweather check several times as well. So, you know, good for him. You know, I don't know how much he's going to make for this, but good for him. He, he's staying active, staying busy. But uh, I am going to miss Roy. I'm actually I'm going to stream it through UFC Fight Pass. Uh, I'm going to sign up for my free week trial uh, just to watch that. <laughs> but it, it's just a shame. It's a shame that you know this, this is my like? hero. This is like the great – this is like Luciano Pavarotti having to play at like a high school recital or a dive bar at the end of his career when his voice is shot. I, I mean, if you would have told me 15 years ago when he was still considered one of the greatest talents ever that, Steve, in 2018 he'll be fighting on like internet streams, and I would have said, first of all, what's an internet stream? And then he would be fighting at, like, the high school gym in Pensacola. I, I would not have believed it. Honestly, I wouldn't have. It's a sad state, man. But, I mean, this is what happens when you have somebody who just – they don't know how to say no. I mean, it's not like he can't make revenue doing other things. You know, he's trying to be a promoter. He's doing the HBO commentary. You know, he can still train guys. But you just have that itch, and I don't think it's going to be finally satisfied so until he gets seriously hurt. So I hope for, you know, for his sake that this is truly it. Uh, this is the last time we see him in a ring, but I, with him, it's one of those things I believe in when I see it. So, yeah. Uh, but I also want to kind of chime in and, and get you guys' thoughts on something. So I put this out on Twitter, and I, I don't know. You know, Ramirez didn't look spectacular this weekend. I mean, you look at the competition he had. It is what it is. But if Top Rank wants to build him up, you know, what about the thought of him fighting, fighting Friday night, you know, Cinco de Mayo weekend in Vegas before – uh, the big Golden Boy card in Vegas, because we know it's going to happen there. Why not try to build him and kind of get him that sort of audience, that, that Mexican fan base, and, and build him that way, and maybe start kind of building a more of a buzz about it? Because well, a lot of Brandon, fight, a lot of fight about it. I spoke to Aaron today. I'll be writing the story up for Boxing Scene tomorrow. The plan is sometime in, I believe, May, 
they're going to try to get him a fight in Mazatlan, Mexico, okay, to get the Mexican mm. base. And then they're going to fight in Australia maybe at the end of the year against Rohan Murdoch, who's on that undercard. So they're going to try to do like the globe trying thing, and they have to wait for this tournament, this World Boxing Super Series, to kind of play out and see what were some of the, you know, realistic targets are. So I don't know, Brandon, does fighting in Mazatlan kind of fit your plan to a certain degree? I mean, there are Mexicans in Mazatlan, right? Well, just a few. Um, <laughs> Mostly I mean, tourists, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that would be a good look. I mean, I think that's a way a, a lot of the, the – you can build that fan base with the Mexican boxing fan base because we know they come out in droves. They support heavy. If there's a fighter there behind, yo, they're going to be out in abundance. They're going to let it be known that that's their guy. That's somebody they're going to cheer for. And Bob's a smart guy. They have smart people working at top rank. But I, I think that's something that they may lean more towards is maybe try to build him that way and get his buzz uh, going for that Mexican fan base because I think he's got skills. I just think he needs to showcase it against top-notch competition, which he's yet to do to this juncture of his career. Yeah, I mean, again, he looked good against Habib Ahmed, but, I mean, a lot of guys look good shadow boxing or against the heavy bag, you know? Very true, very true. Now, Brandon, what did you think? How was your stream this past weekend for the World Boxing Super Series? I thought mine was really good. What about yours? I ended up catching the tail end of it, and actually mine ended up being pretty good. So I'm not going to have any complaints about it. Uh, I really wish I could watch it on my big screen television in my living room, you know, part of a cable network, but beggars can't be choosers in a lot of regards, you know, and that's that's a shame that egos and, uh, you know, past beefs with people, Richard Schaefer being involved, and, Networks really don't want to touch this. Some say that World Boxing Series might have priced themselves out in some cases. I really hope when they do this second go-round of the tournament uh, later this year when they have the different weight classes, they kind of have something more, uh, you know, solidified and intact for the American audience because we're missing some great fights uh, that we could be watching on, you know, a, a larger television base than we'll have to stream it online. Uh, right. I think they're really missing out on that. I think that's something that I hope when they announce the next set of tournaments and weight classes, they also have a television deal in place with somebody to show it somewhere, even having a solidified stream in place saying all the fights are going to be able to be streamed here, and maybe they figure out something for maybe the final, the semifinals down the road. Mm. From your lips to God's ears. Now, now Brandon, take a look at the upcoming schedule. There's nothing on this Saturday uh, with the postponement of Garcia Lippinets. Which ones are you highlighting on the calendar? Which ones are you looking forward to the most? Uh, that's kind of tough to say, you know. I, honestly, I I like really bad fights or bad matchups on paper. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a Hold on, are you running like HBO that. Sports right now, Brandon? <laughs> are you <laughs> really Peter? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Peter's a good guy. He he means well. He is. He's but... poet. He's very poetic. <laughs> um, you know, part you know, of uh, really uh, Brandon. Uh huh. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I was just thinking about what you said. You know, I don't think it's a matter of egos. I think it's business in regards to Richard Schaefer. He was the CEO of a company and acted in completely bad faith and undermined this guy and came to him at his weakest moment while he was in rehab to try to sell him this end, you know, end result of this bad deal he'd been perpetrating on him for years. I mean, that they had Deontay Wilder, all these, like, but particularly Deontay Wilder and not under contract but promoting him. Uh, I think people look at that business people and go, I- I'm not sure I want to do business with somebody that's dishonest like that. And also, we have to be honest. If Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya is your main content provider based on the past history, 
Listen, as an HBO subscriber, I want the World Boxing Super Series, but as someone who knows human nature and actually covers the business closely, yeah, I could see why politically it would be awkward and perhaps unrealistic for them to do business there. I get it. But, I mean, that's still not to say that, you know, Showtime couldn't have stepped up. You know, I I know in the past ESPN3, because I've watched, like, Shane Mosley versus uh, Mundine, like five o'clock in the morning here my time on on the ESPN three stream I know they show yeah Chris I Price. wonder you why they're not think. doing it that's a good question exactly no, that's a good one I mean, they could have stepped no you're, you're, you're like absolutely right what How I want to know like this many channels and and no one wants to buy these fucking good fights yeah you <laughs> couldn't put it on Ocho um <laughs> what I want to know that's a dodgeball <laughs> reference by the way um what I want to know one thing and we'll never know. What was the asking price from the World Boxing Super Series to these networks? Were they exorbitant? Was it reasonable? That's what we don't know. True. Very true. Very true. And I think, you know, you'd ask me what fights am I looking forward to. You know, Garcia, Rios, you know, next week I'm looking forward to because it's just going to be style-wise a horrible fight, but I really hope Randy Rios can send Danny Garcia to hell. Although I will say this. Leading up to the fight, not that much Angel Garcia. We appreciate that as boxing fans. But maybe the thing I'm looking forward to the most of the next couple of weeks, uh, Groves, Eubank Jr., and that's, this is a fight that I really wish could be seen by more eyes here in America. So I really think, and mm-hmm. I, I said this on my show last week, I think American fans would embrace Eubank Jr. for either one of two reasons. Either they're going to hate him because he's brash, cocky, and confident, and they want to see him lose, or they're going to love him because he's brash, cocky, and confident, and he goes out and he does, he, he, he's backing it up in the ring. Uh, he's steadily improving each time I've seen him go out. And I think he's one of those guys who, you know, especially if he wins this tournament, he's going to be boxing next breakout star. Kind of how what Terrence Crawford's been over the last 18 months, that's what Eubank Jr. is lined up to be if he can finish this tournament strong, especially if he can stop it just these next two fights. I'm becoming a believer, Brandon. I'm shading him. Yeah. As a favorite over Groves, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of believing in Eubank. Absolutely. I said uh, before the tournament that uh, uh, this would do for him what what uh, the Super Six did for Ward, but I think even mm-hmm. more so. Maybe he's uh, in the hands of uh, real capable promoters. I, I think he can, you know, if he doesn't get in his way like the, the Penn incident, uh, he could be a real star, a real force. Uh, I'm very excited for this fight. Uh, I think he knocks Groves out. I hope so. I, I think it's going to be entertaining, and it's going to be good for boxing. And like I said, I just wish more American eyes can see this kid because I really do enjoy him and think that he could be a breakout global star, uh, you know, if everything falls right in, in right places for him uh, the way this tournament lays out the rest of the year. Brandon, anything else on your mind? Uh, not really, man. I, everything's kind of calm. I said in 2018 it was going to be nicer to people. Was it going to be mean? And I, I, I'm, I'm actually trying to go down that pathway. I will still say this. I do say, catch Dan Rayfield out in the streets. You know, we still have some issues we need to address. Oh, jeez. Uh, Brandon, we're five Dan weeks Rayfield. into 2018. Come on. I hold a grudge. I hold a grudge, man. Now, hold on. What happened with you and Big Dan? Dan got mad because he was picking at WBC. It was probably three years ago now. He got mad because he was he's picking at WBC about something on their Twitter account, and I stuck him for WBC and, and tweeted, and they liked my tweet I sent to Dan and to them, and Dan blocked me ever since then. So he got mad because 
I actually stood up for something WBC was doing with one of their title fights or, or something to that degree. That's before they really started making all these um, these fake titles to celebrate events, uh, a.k.a., you know, the million-dollar belt. Uh, the huge belt, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah. So, so that was before all that. So maybe in hindsight, maybe not the smartest thing to do, but uh, since Dan has blocked me, so when people tweet out news stories and breaking stuff that he says, I'm like, no clue. Just type it out for me. I have no idea what he's saying. So uh, we, we got to discuss some things. So maybe I'll see him single tomorrow weekend in Vegas. Uh, I pray to God <laughs> that's where uh, Canelo Triple G happens at because everything is literally booked. Um, and if it doesn't go there, I'm going to be a sad panda. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I mean, yeah. I know what I'll do out there. But well, here's the thing. Bad. Hey, breaking news. I, I guess Dana and Floyd are making noise about booking T-Mobile May 5th. So, so you know, <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Oh wow! Well, I mean, yeah, that that would just I, you know I, I really just want him to go somewhere. Both Dana White and, and Floyd, I just want him to go far, far away because Dana White's really not doing anything to help the UFC product, the MMA product right now. Their ratings are slipping. They're trying to get you know big money from Fox to renew their television deal. Fox is really not filling them. You know, Floyd, eventually that money's going to run out again, and we're going to see the fight again. And, and I know it's going to happen because he's So just, do we need to start a GoFundMe, stay away Floyd page? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, possibly. Possibly. I mean, oh, something, I mean, something helped the guy out. I mean, he needs it. Okay. Brandon, as always, thank you for the call. God bless, fellas. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Gabe, I keep hearing these stories of, like, UFC fighters not getting paid if the on certain situations or having to raise money to bring a cut man to a fight. Again, hey boxers, you really want to sign up with Dana White? Really? Yeah, I mean it's just a, a long history of uh, of not treating fighters very well. There's you know still litigation going on or people trying to make a a union, all, all kinds of stuff uh, surrounding the guy. But you know. Uh, people sometimes will vote for uh, or go with a guy with a, a long, shitty track record and put him in charge of everything. You know, America. Two one zero, you're live on the next round. Two one zero. Oh, hey guys, is that me? Is that? Yep, that is. Yes, you. it is. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Steve? It's Anthony. I just I just tuned in right now. I always listen to you guys afterwards, but uh, just got done my run and uh, I I didn't really catch what you guys were saying. Um. Uh, yet because I just tuned in, but I do want to kind of comment on something that because I'm here in San Antonio and um, about the Mikey Garcia fight. You know, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise that it got pushed back hmm. because there really wasn't any buzz on it. And as you know, the undercard was really wasn't really that great. I think it's good that they finally got Mario Barrios fighting here in town. He's a he's a he's a pretty good talent, but um, it's just I think it buys him time. The but unfortunately they don't have the dome, which is too big. I, like I under, I heard the show when you were discussing this. But the Premium Coliseum is a uh, – I don't like that building either. It, it's big. It's out of the way. It's away from downtown. But isn't it renovated now, though, Anthony? I've heard it looks nice. I, I mean, from the pictures I've seen, it still looks like that gymnasium that's on that movie. Um, what's that one? Hoosier? Will Ferrell, where, he's ba- where he's a basketball coach, Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah, it's a tropics, the Miami tropics. <laughs> it, it looks exactly like that. It has that round. It has those bars. It looks like my, my eighth grade, you know, gymnasium, you know, basketball gymnasium with, the, you know, the wooden seats. <laughs> So, I mean, maybe they just painted them. Like, when the pictures, they look the same, you know. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how it turns out. Um, you know, it, it, there really hasn't been that great of events when it comes to that side of the house here. Down now, Anthony, 
I know you're a real boxing guy. You spend your discretionary income supporting the sport. I completely respect that. Is there? Do you believe that there will be real buzz when Errol Spence comes to Dallas in June? Possibly because he's at that point where he's up there with with, with the next guy that's going to actually take the sport. You know, there's the rumors with him um, uh, beating up Floyd, knocking out a Broner, but I, I think it might be. Dallas isn't really that big of a fight town. I mean, everything, what people don't realize is that with Cowboy Stadium, everything sells. The stadium sells itself. Uh, Pacquiao went there. Everybody was bra- bragging about how great uh, Canelo did, but remember that Pacquiao did that twice as a Filipino, and the first time he fought Claudia, who wasn't even Mexican, they, they sold like somewhere around 60,000, 70,000 tickets. So I, I really don't know. Every time I've gone to an event there, like when Mikey fought there before, it, it really wasn't that great. You know what I mean? So I, um, that, I think they should. I think it's, it's overdue. Um, they might be behind the power curve, but I think they might lose some money in the beginning. But if they stick with it, I think they could build something because that's something they really haven't done. Um, and it's just they have that different vibe. Like, well, I went to the the fights down in Corpus on, on last minute with the top rank, and what I like about top rank is that they, they have that real fight vibe. They don't try to change anything too much. And, you know, as much as I, I respect Goldenberg for what they're doing, they don't have tattoo running around screaming on the mic with a scratchy voice saying, Viva Canelo, Viva Mexico, over and over and over and over. They just, they, and that gets annoying. They, it's just an old school feeling, old school feeling. It just, you know, just, just, a, just a event. I don't know why people try to change it. You know, all they got to do is put on the right fights with the right demographics and, and they'll, they'll be fine. And, the, you know, with the fighters in the right areas, with Mario Barrios, for example, again, they, the PBC had so many cards here on the toe-to-toe Tuesdays and he was fighting in, MC casinos on the East Coast, so I'm glad they're finally bringing them here. I, I, I just don't know what it is, money thing or, or whatever promotion that's over my head. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's a love-hate relationship. I love the sport. I don't know how you guys put up with fans and cover it for as long as, as you do. God bless you all, man. It, it, it's crazy talking to some of these fans, though. Now, Anthony, are you going March 10th to the Freeman Coliseum? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I mean, it's I live really close to it, so it's – I'll be there. You know, I'll, I'll probably be talking to Mikey. I did ask him some of those questions um, when I saw him here for the press conference that you guys were addressing, like why, or uh, with or his uh, trainer for, um, about why he doesn't sign. You know, the biggest stars have promoters. Uh, what, what, what's so bad about having promoters? But I will say, had he done a deal with Golden Boy, with Oscar, this is why Oscar De La Hoya is talented. If he attached his name with Oscar and came down and Oscar would have been down here pumping it for him, I think it would have been night and day with what's going on with this card coming up. I mean, uh, night and day. So I really don't know what's going on with that. Everyone so, like, has to live with their decisions, bottom line. Yeah, well, but the people close to him say that, oh, well, he doesn't have to worry about money. He's good. He's going to be set for life. I'm like, oh, that's fine. And I try to explain to him. But I go in the long term, he's not going to have that longevity as a star because a lot of times that being a star is going to pay you in the long run versus what you're just going to make for the fight. So I, I don't know. It's it's, it's a mess. I just hope things get better. And I hope fights do come back here because with the PBC and everything, with the way they were drowning out people um, here in this area, we re- really lost a lot of fights. And now I hope top rank Golden Boy, and everybody kind of comes back to specifically San Antonio, which is the best place in Texas, in my opinion, for events. So I've been there. You know, I, I, Anthony, I still remember uh, Canelo against Austin Trout. That was a fun week. I, I mean, that was a big yeah. event. You know, I remember and, Julio Cesar Chavez in, in San Antonio. They had they had a good run there. And as you see, and logistically, the way we were talking about how it's a mess in Dallas, how you guys were saying in shows earlier, 
Um, our downtown is built specifically for events. It's not there's not a lot of businesses here. It's all restaurants, hotels. Hmm. Uh, there's a dome. I mean, it, it's specific. It's the number one tourist city in San Antonio. They got the Riverwalk. They got nightclubs. I mean, it's like the you know the Vegas for the small towns around here. They all come here to have have spend money and have a good time. So, geez, um, and you know what? I'm gonna tell that to Charles Barkley. Barkley killed San Antonio. Seriously, yeah, every time I watch NBA yeah. on TNT, he just kills the city. It's terrible what he does. Oh, I mean, terrible. We do got some. We do got some big girls. I give him that. But you know what? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> big girls need love too. They're fine. They're cool. They're all right. They just get them on the treadmill. All right. Anyway, Anthony, thank you for the call. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Gabe, here's the issue. I'm pretty sure we're not going to have to throw a benefit for Mikey Garcia, but he's the one who, who himself says, I'm the next Mayweather. I'm the next pay-per-view star. That, that's what I'm like, okay, but you're kind of like doing things that are going to prevent that. That's my point. He can run his career any way he wants. Trust me, his bank account is okay regardless. Yeah, but I mean, you know, also when you're younger, you know, money seems like it's more, you know, more than it is, and, and you know, it's a long life. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I agree with you. He's not really setting himself up for the future. Nine one seven. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, it's Joe in New York. How you doing, man? Joe, what's Walk up, Joe? What's happening? Hey, uh, you know they say that like uh, the uh, in in the United States we're like you know like thirty first in math in the world and you know like fifty something <laughs> in English. But you know what? We're number one in self confidence and believing we're the best at everything. So that's why Mikey Garcia thinks the way he does. You know, he just believes it. It's all he needs to know. He's the next paper star. <laughs> well, you know, listen, he wants to be independent. But he's going to find out there is a price for freedom. There is. For sure. Hey, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, um, the interview, Steve, you did last week with Mario Lopez with uh, Todd DeBuff. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, of course, as an outsider looking in, you know, you look on all these things, you think you have a basic lay of the land, you know, like when seeing the people in the boxing field, you know. Al Bernstein's a very thoughtful human being. Paulie Malinaji's a douchebag. Uh, you know, Jim wow. Lee's got the gold voice. But, you know, I'll tell you, Todd DeBuff really strikes me when I hear him, because, you know, he doesn't always do a ton of interviews. He really seems like a real honest, good guy who's looking to do good for the sport. And I got to say, I really think that he could be our best chance. I'm hoping for a little bit more reaching across the aisle with these fights, especially with Crawford, man. I mean, like, there's so many guys that they could serve up to him, many of which would actually be competitive with him, obviously from the PBC. So I understand that Bob is an, is an American original and a classic and everything, and the piss and vinegar is awesome. I'm really hoping, though, that somebody like Todd, who seems very level-headed and easygoing and, and you know, overall like a good guy – uh, that he really can make good in the future, in the years post-Bob Arum, of uh, trying to, to bring the sport together and not have it be so fractured. I just took away from the interview that he really seems like he could be one of the guys that could really help the sport overall. I was wondering well, what you guys thought about that. Todd is sharp, and, he, and Bob has said it. He was the architect of that deal. It was not Bob. Um, but Todd is, is an experienced guy. And I think that's the one thing Bob has had over Don King, if you look at their legacy, Gabe, 
a plan of succession, that there's actually an evolution of the company of younger, fresh ideas and somebody to take over the mantelpiece of that company. And understand, understanding as the Internet was born, you know, and, and markets, you know, opened up, uh, the, the sport got more global, you know, to top rank is, is always just kind of pushing. You know, where can we where can we sell fights? We're going to go, you know, we're going to Macau. Now we're going to, you know, uh, they did, you know, Yankee Stadium. Uh, but they're, you know, they started to stream, uh, and you get their fights on the, on the, you know, the top rank app. If you, you know, I think now they do it on the ESPN app. Um, but yeah, I think Todd has, has been a big part of that change and, and growth. Uh, they seem to me uh, to be the healthiest of the promoters, or at least of the American promoters. Uh, in terms of you know where they're going for the future, Golden Boy, you know if if Canelo gets knocked out in this next fight, uh, it's going to be tough, you know. Uh, but top rank. But as Joe said, I, I do think they have to be willing to reach across the aisle. This is about the fights. That that it still yeah. has to be the most basic foundation of are you making the fights that a the the hardcore fans are satisfied with and b that could grow a more general casual audience. I agree. Yeah. I agree. One other thing, too, I'm sure you guys talked about it because I got on here late. The Dortico's Garcia fight was just so great. I got to say, I really feel like the Super Six. This is the finale. This is the grand one because I, I really think, and I'm going to be happy to watch it. I'm, I'm very excited to see it. But I think Usyk's going to dance around and slap hit. And Gossier's going to have trouble reaching him. And I think that it's going to be a bit more of a boring climax, sort of like how what a great fight Frotch versus um, uh, Kessler was. And then by comparison, Andre Ward versus Frotch was kind of boring as hell, you know? So, oh, yeah, yeah like this, that could be. Could be. I like this format better. It just moves faster, quicker. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it just seems much more explosive, and, and you can follow the narrative. And they're not using all these, you know, this is group six stage, you know, whatever, <laughs> all this weird Scientology terminology uh, that you couldn't remember anyways. Uh, no, it's just straight to it. And, and you know, you got Usyk there and Gassiev, you get this, the face-off. They, it's like boxing, you know, learned from the UFC, which learned from, you know, boxing and wrestling. Uh, you yeah. got to have that guy come in the ring and set up the next one. And it keeps, you know, buzz, and, you know, that people talk about that shit, and, uh, yeah. and it grows. So I agree. I agree. Know, All right, really Joe, exciting. listen, as always, thank you for the call. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Gabe. All right, we got seven minutes available to us. Gabe, anyone else on the line? Yeah, there are people out there. 530, uh, you're live on the night show. Hi, guys. It's Mike from Auburn. Mike, hey, War up, Eagle. Mike? Just kidding. I had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> War Eagle, wrong Auburn. Yeah. But a uh, couple of comments about uh, the fights this weekend and then a, a little bit of a technical uh, comment. Uh, first, uh, I was real impressed with Garcia's defense and particularly the way he was blocking punches. It looked to me, and I was I was watching it on a big screen TV, it looked to me uh, as if a high percentage of Dortico's shots were getting picked off. And Gossiev doesn't move his head a lot. He kind of reminds me of Triple G in that. But he's very effective, as is Triple G, in picking off punches with his, arm, with his hands and arms. And so that was a factor. That was a terrific fight to watch, by the way. And I really thought uh, 
thought highly of Dordicos for sticking in there and his toughness, but Gossiev is, uh, is really catching everyone's interest. Now, how he does it against Usyk, uh, a little different thing. Usyk's uh, got a lot better ability to land and then make himself not available to land against. But I have to say, I'm pretty interested in watching that fight. Uh, the other <laughs> observation I made was with the ESPN fights, and it was how effectively Zerto was using his footwork. He was keeping the pressure on the other fellow throughout that the way that fight lasted, even at the point where the other fellow turned and ran across the ring to avoid the pressure. As soon as he turned back around, Zerto was right in front of him. So yeah, he, the only question, kind of though, like is, Mike, again, that, that have to do with him being able to hit slow-pitch softball. I mean, it, again, <laughs> a lot of guys look good against overmatched opposition. I like Zerto. I, I'd like to see where this goes against better opposition in the future. Definitely. I was just commenting more on what he showed in the way he was able to move around the ring and put the opponent in uncomfortable spots. But yeah, I, your point is well taken, Steve. On the technical side, this is the second week that I have tried to uh, that I've watched the WBS Super Series, and the first week I could not get the fee, the stream until yeah. the tenth round. I saw the tenth, eleventh, mm. and twelfth, and that was it. This week I experienced two different streams. I watched a couple of the prelim fights on the FaceTime or Facebook Live stream. And then I watched the main event on the YouTube stream. Yeah. Both of them streamed to my television rather than my, my uh, computer or device. And the feedback was the uh, Facebook live stream during the prelims was using a Periscope uh, feed. And there's truly nothing more annoying than trying to watch a fight where comments <laughs> like, hey, dude, what's up? come across the screen and then disappear to be followed Really? Because i got to be honest with Gabe. Uh, listen, Mike, I used the stream <laughs> that was provided to me by the World Boxing Super Series uh, account, and I, you know, I don't understand why they have to switch over a feed, but I didn't see any of that, and well, the, on the main YouTube event, I used or, YouTube, and it was fine. I didn't have a single issue. Well, I, I, I actually had that same experience. I went to YouTube for the main event, and it was perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it came across in high definition. And by the way, if you want to watch it on your television, uh, I use Apple TV, but I'm sure uh, Amazon. Uh, whatever. I can't remember the name of their device. But any of the devices, any, any Fire of Stick. Fire Stick, I think is yeah. what it is. Are probably going to give you the same capability. Okay. And Listen, Mike. So we got to get running. Okay. All right, guys. Have a good all day. right, Gabe. We got three minutes. Anyone else on the phone? Um, yeah, there's a two zero nine. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. You got a Do couple well. minutes. Make it work. Okay, I'll make it quick. <laughs> hey man, I, I like the work uh, 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 Top Right is doing with Zerto. Uh, I know the opponent was overmatched, but he's looking good. He's getting fans out there. I mean, he, he's making a fan out of me. I mean, outside of Canelo, I mean, he's one of my favorite Mexican fighters. I mean, and I hate to say this, but when the when his opponent was running around the ring, I was screaming, finish him, finish him, finish him. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
<laughs> we all were. But man. <laughs> yeah, um, but but you know what? Uh, uh, I think this top top rank and this ESPN deal, they have a lot more to offer than what HBO was. I mean, I, you know, for HBO being the the mecca of uh, premium boxing, I mean, they're they're not really keeping up with the Joneses. You know, um, you know, I, I appreciate the shows that they that they do give because given with uh, ESPN, Showtime, and HBO, you know, I get my boxing fix, but. Um, Personally, I think that they need to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Well, and, yeah, uh-huh. They have a few good shows coming up. I love Superfly. Bivol Barrera is good, and we'll see where it goes from there. They have a few weight divisions where they do have significant presence, but, uh, again, we'll see where this goes. Anyway, we got to run. We are running out of time here. Thank you for the call. We thank you thank very everyone- much. We want to thank everyone that made this show possible on behalf of David Duenas and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring radio network. On behalf of Gabe Montoy, this is Steve Kim saying goodbye, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.